Hello everyone and welcome to Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged. And today I'm joined by a fellow broadcaster, Mr. OJ Borge. Well, what can I tell you about Mr. Borg? OJ doesn't stand for orange juice today. Rather, it's the initials forward slash abbreviation of Oliver James. But that's not even the difficult part of his name. Is his surname Borg or Borge? Keep listening to find out. He's a proper famous DJ. Millions of listeners tune into his show on BBC Radio 2, and we chat all about that. He's also a cycling nut, and alongside his work for Zwift, he's done some really impressive bike rides, recently completing the Mallorca 312, and we discuss how he wishes he'd gotten into cycling at a younger age. So, DJ, BBC, MMA, VH1, MTV, BT, sport in brackets. These are just a few of the abbreviations associated with OJ. Whoops, sorry, there's another one. So now it's time to SBPYFU. That's sit back and put your feet up and ETP. Enjoy the pod. You know it's that time again. OJ Borg is fast becoming a national treasure. He's done everything from presenting the National Lottery to appearing on Celebrity Mastermind dressed as Princess Leah. His love of cycling is well documented and he combines his passion. Sorry, the lights went out on my computer. <laughs> oh, you leave that in if you want. His love of cycling is well documented and he combines his passion with his work by presenting content for Zwift. But it's his late night radio program that he's perhaps best known for, claiming himself to be the most famous man in the UK between the hours of midnight and 3am. I was keen to find out how much his job means to him, the importance of cycling in his life, and how much air should be inserted in order to inflate a packet of crisps. Check it out. I believe uh, we are now recording. There was a first abortive attempt, but finally, um, we've adjusted our levels. I brought in my pop shield. Um, OJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I was so loud, you've made me sit in another room away from my microphone. <laughs> well, you have got a, you've got a voice, haven't you? you you've got a, a voice. I mean, your voice um, is your life, really, isn't it? Well, you say that. And then I, a couple of years ago, I decided I was going to be vegan. I tried to do veganuary and I'm a lifelong vegetarian. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go one step further. I, I respect the cows and I respect their milk. And it's, you know, cow's milk should be for cows and all that sort of stuff. So I decided to do it. But in usual OJ fashion, just did it really badly. Right. So, it didn't, so I didn't eat anything particularly for like a month. Still right. didn't lose any weight somehow, which is, which is typical me. And then I sneezed, did my back in. Just as, just when me and my wife, for the first time ever, we're going to have two nights away from our kids. Like It was the first time since we'd had kids we were going to have two nights away. Did my back in, laid in bed for two nights, took so many painkillers. I did my stomach in, which gave me an acid reflux, which burnt my vocal cords. Oh, my God. So I don't know what that, the moral of this story is. I, I, I don't know where to begin. There's so much to unpack there. I think that's a separate uh, – it's not just a separate podcast. It's a separate series of podcasts, I think. <laughs> Why you um, should not go vegan. Yeah. Not that um, I, if anyone is vegan, I don't mean that. I just did it in the wrong way. You, 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 it was – I guess it's, you just went all in, didn't you? Just straight in, just basically, um, you know, uh, no holds barred, I guess. Are you suggesting that sometimes I can be overexcitable, Matt, and just go um, straight in? Not at all. <laughs> Let me just put this into a little bit of perspective, why OJ might have said that. Uh, moments before, half an hour, an hour before the podcast, I get a little um, message, little video message from OJ. He's about to start a Zwift race, um, about an hour and 15 minutes before the podcast. That's how all in this man is. 
Well, you see, I, for a few reasons. There's a few reasons I did it. One, because I'm so on brand, Matt. I'm so on yeah. brand. <laughs> two, I love a race. I love a bit of competition. And pretty much the only competition I get in my life, you know, two kids, don't have any time, don't, I've never really biked races other than a few cross races, is a Zwift race. And I love it. And thirdly, in all honesty, I was feeling just a bit, you know, it was a blue sky day, but it was it was blue skies on a grey day is how I felt. And sometimes smash yourself about on a bike. You just, I don't know, you get a bit more clarity. So hence why I did it. Although in retrospect, I got off the bike, sweaty, uh, jumped in the shower, had to do the school pickup, and I'm now sat here talking to you. So yeah, it is all in board. Hopefully, but I've had a coffee. I've got water. I yeah. feel cogent. Good. That's good. Cause it's all about, I mean, I, I, I feel reasonably cogent, but uh, very much like you, actually very much like you, but the complete opposite of you right now. I do love riding my bike, but I haven't ridden it for like nine days, which is the longest I've not ridden my bike for a long time. Really? Probably because I felt a bit rubbish after we'd moved. And then there was a the whole move and unpacking stuff. Um, but I feel okay, but I don't feel as cogent as normal because I haven't ridden my bike. It's a weird phenomenon. I do need my bike and I'm desperate to get out. Hmm. I, I do my best thinking on a bike. If I've got yeah. if like an idea I need to work through or personal stuff I need to get through, um, I do jump on the bike. And for some reason, like, like I'm awful. I will have my mobile phone on me. I'll spend my entire life totally distracted. I get on the bike and because, yeah, fair enough, I've got like a head unit on and I'm looking at that. When you're, when, when you're hammering it on the bike and you're pedaling, there's something about it that gets rid of that background chatter. And I find yeah. I have clarity of thought. There's just that moment. Because you're pedaling and you're trying to keep whatever, a certain speed up or a certain amount of watts, or you're trying to hit a, a, a Zwift, whatever, a, a, a Strava t- a target, whatever it is, I tend to find that all of those issues get wrapped up in that. And it means I can think logically about a thought. Right. Um I would agree with all that. It is. I think that's why we all love riding bikes. Mm. But what? Just to wrap that up briefly. And this feels like this is the first time in a podcast we've actually gone on for about four or five minutes and not actually done the first question because my first question to everybody to set the scene. So this feels like a, the podcast version of a, a US sitcom where the credits keep coming in. Like twenty minutes in, there's still the credits that keep. Do you know the, 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 the yeah. programs? I mean, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like the director, producer, executive producer, 15, 20 minutes in, there's still credits coming up on the screen. This feels like the podcast version of that because wow. I haven't asked my first question. Are we the Golden Girls? I think we must be. So we've done a whole thing. You're Blanche. I'm Rose. We've yes. done a whole thing at the beginning where I'm making a turkey. It's yeah. going into the oven. I've accidentally got my fist stuck in the turkey. You're yep. berating me from the side. Who was, yep. the, who was the mum who always sat there looking miserable? Oh, the, the, she was slightly, well, she was exceptionally old even compared to the rest, but she was yeah. wonderful Italian, wasn't she? Yeah. What was her name? Holly's got a, Holly's got a lovely T-shirt with all the Golden Girls on it, which is, what a lovely show that was. It so was warm. a lovely show. I mean, I, I mean, admittedly, I say this, I haven't watched it probably in two decades. No. But you think, <laughs> you think back, you think back and some of the stuff that they went through in the Golden Girls, it was, it was, I mean, we, we grew up in a time before the internet. Yeah. Therefore... Our experiences of America was gleaned from films and entertainment, and it was it was, it was a version of America I'd never seen before. It was a middle yeah. class, you know, women all living together. Before that, it was action films. Yes, I, I, I really there was something about it that was because it was so so different, wasn't it? But um, mm. um, well, it's quite clearly we are fans of the Golden Girls, and I think deep maybe I'm a bit of a night owl. I tend to drift into the night watching YouTube videos and random stuff, and I think I might try and fire up an episode of the Golden Girls just to give me that lovely feeling as we head into the weekend. 
Could you cut a clip of the Golden Girls in right here and then we'll laugh off the back of it as if we've just watched okay. it. Okay. Now, you're always a bit ornery, unpleasant, impolite, even downright mean. That's part of your charm. Thank you, you bed-hopping relic. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant stuff. Oh, you, those guys. Absolute. Oh, I love that show. Brilliant stuff. That, that, that felt good. Uh, OJ, just to put things in a little bit of context for our listeners, um, can you describe, first tell me where you are in the world and describe the room in which you are currently podding. Okay, so I live in Manchester. I live in a place called Chawton, which is sort of South Manchester. Um, and the room I am coming to you from is um, what is part office. So there's a desk in it mm. and there's a sofa bed, but really the entirety of the room is full of our kids' toys. Oh, right. Which is weird. So we had this whole idea, which was, you know, we've got a spare room. We'll turn it part into an office, partly where the kids can play. I've seen the kids play in here since we did it once. Basically, they come and get the toys, take them out and leave them around the rest of the house. So, but that is the room I'm in right now. Righty-ho. Um, I love toys. Um, when we had, I mean, my, my lad now is 21, 22, but I used to live my my childhood as an adult vicariously through my son. So I used to love going to Toys R Us and buying toys oh. because I wanted them for me. And in it, because we'd choose stuff, but it was more my influence than his influence of buying toys. Do you, I know you've got two daughters, but do you do you have the same kind of thing? Do you do you sort of gently influence the toys that that they get so oh, you God. can play with them yes. and admire them as well? Absolutely. I mean, we we go to Lego. <laughs> we go to the Lego store all the time. We buy tons of Lego. I see you still build Lego. You we do build yeah. a beautiful. What was it? It was an Empire State Building recently. Well, we've had the Empire State Building. I got it for Holly for Christmas, but recently she bought a lighting set. Uh, which is unofficial, but basically you have to deconstruct the Lego, uh, rebuild it again, but it's got these LEDs in it. That's what we've done. So Holly's done that to the Empire State and also to the Statue of Liberty. But yeah, we're massive Lego fans. Yeah, I, I haven't bought a set of Lego for myself in a long while, but I, I do enjoy. And it, and it's it's basically, it's the reason I quite enjoy building Ikea stuff is it's Lego for adults, isn't it? Yes. But Lego is for adults anyway. So whenever yeah. I buy something for it, I literally have to be told to put it down because I will I will storm in and go, right, let's put this together. And it's like, OJ, you've bought that for your daughter. Put it down and move away. <laughs> Just move away from it. It's so, I mean, I know we've gone off on a bit of a Lego-based tangent, but um, we do want, many of my, my guests have been big Lego fans. Rowan Dennis in particular is a massive, massive Lego fan. I know, I know Cav is a really big Lego fan as well. Is there a Venn diagram, do you think, between cyclists... And Lego, and maybe, maybe how it works. Do you know what Lego translates to? Do you know what I don't? I'd be I'd be blagging if I if I was a, if I if I didn't if I was to say no. I don't know the answer. I, I only know because I worked in Denmark for a while, and obviously oh, Lego right. is a Danish thing, and yep. um, it translates to play well. Lego is play well oh, in Danish. Do you know what I think? When I did the cafe ride with Cecilia Utrup Ludwig, we were talking about Lego. We did it in in Copenhagen, and she did tell me that very same thing, but. Me being me, I forgot. Um, so I'm just writing it down. Play well. It is. I mean, I mean, I never rode. I worked in Copenhagen. I almost moved to Copenhagen. What a wonderful city. And yeah. um, I really wanted to ride that. I just never had time. But was your cafe ride, was it super windy? Because it's, it's basically a whole country that's Manchester. It was, um, we did it, if I can remember, back end of January, because we did Brian Holm one day and then Sealey the next or, or the other way around. They're both were in and around Copenhagen. Um, but it was freezing cold. It was bitter. Yeah. It was it was quite breezy. The, the ride with Brian was pouring down the rain, grim. Celia, it was dry, but it was bitter. It was absolutely bitter. Uh, and it was a bit gusty, actually. Yeah. 
was a bit gusty, but a lovely, lovely country. Yeah, amazing. Um, so let's, again, a little bit of perspective for people listening in. Um, people might think, well, we've got OG on, and it's, well, well you're, you're a mate of mine. Um, you, you're a keen, our worlds collided. I'm trying to think when we first actually came across each other. So, so how about putting things into a bit of perspective, OG, for us and for our listeners? You're, an, you're a Radio 2 DJ, have been for quite a long time. You, you, you are... You do a lot of stuff. You are a busy, busy man. Um, some of the some of the stuff I didn't realize you, you you did. It fascinates me. But how did you get into cycling? Because you 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 clearly love it, and you're you're really active as, as a rider too. And you've done you know big that big Mallorca challenge recently. You obviously do a lot of stuff for Zwift. But how did you end up loving or falling in love with cycling? So like everyone else, I watched the Tour of a Year because it's the sort of cycling event that transcends cycling. Loved it. Channel 4 was a big fan of it. Gary Imlach in his wonderful polo necks. But yes. other than that, it never, you know, it never, never really, never really hooked me as a kid. You know, I'd watch it every year, watch some bits and bobs, you know, Nerve Armstrong and, and the big bits of cycling that made it beyond what was the cycling press. I got into cycling off the back of, and I'm gutted I got to it so late. I really am. I, off the back of wanting to do a triathlon. And I decided I was going to do a triathlon. I was racing a mate and I bought a road bike to do this triathlon on. And it was a Genesis and it was aluminium. And I bought it and I bought white shorts to start with. I had a pair of white cycling shorts. That was my first wow. pair of shorts. It took me a while to realize you didn't wear your pants underneath your, yes. underneath your bib shorts. It's, you know, so that. And I did the triathlon and I didn't attach my front wheel properly. Well, actually, that's a lie. My mate racked my bike for me who I was racing and he didn't attach my front wheel. So coming down oh, the hill no. in Tatton Park, there's uh, cattle grids and they boarded them off. And I had to pull back to sort of go over the cattle grid. And then suddenly on the last lap of the 40K ride, I my wheel basically rolled off the bottom of it. It just came off and I nutted oh, the ground no. and knocked myself out. But... Of all the things that I did in that triathlon, I was just hooked into cycling. I loved it, the idea of going out, riding, not smashing yourself in a crash, but, you know, going yeah. out and go, really, really going for it. And I also loved the style and I loved the kit. And the more I dipped my toe into it, the more I found out about the history. And, you know, I became a fan of all these different brands and the brands linked into it. And I, I found out about the different – gangs is the wrong word – the different – Groups of people around cycling, those people who got dressed up beautifully and wore the people who were pro racers, the people who it's rode. It's very tribal, isn't it? So tribal. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. It was yeah. tribal. Um, and I just, I loved it. And I have played pretty much every sport going over the course of my life. You know, I was a very, very good swimmer, but I found swimming pretty boring. I played rugby. I played football. I played all these different things. And, you know, my body sort of fell apart a bit, but it was cycling that I stuck at. Yeah. And I still love doing it to this day. And, you know, the older I get, the more I seem to cycle every year. Like the year that's just the year that's just ending or has just ended is the most I've ever ridden in a year. Yeah. And I hope to do more next year. So, yeah, I just got hooked into it that way. And off the back of it, I ended up doing work for the BBC and presenting their cycling coverage. Yeah, because you, 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 I mean, um, a good mate of ours and a guy has actually stopped commentating now because he's got his own jewellery business is uh, Rob Hales. Because you, you did a lot of work with Halesy, didn't you, back in the day? I did, yeah. Like the first proper job we did together, other than presenting the show, was he, we went to Roubaix to record like a, this is what Roubaix's like. I was a Roubaix virgin, knew nothing about it. And we were supposed to go for a ride and it was pretty badly planned. And the first thing I did when we were looking at the Lille Metropole, uh, which is the name of the stadium, is that right? 
Yes. Yeah. Um, I Basically, Rob will tell you I rode into him. Really, he was looking the wrong way and rode into me. And he got flipped off his bike, landed on God. his back, wrecked his bike. And basically, it was like five minutes in what was supposed to be a, a recording trip. And we were there without a producer. So that was the first thing. And then about... Uh, oh, actually, the first time I did work with him, I saw him naked about 15 minutes later because he entered Blimey. his door naked. Yeah, r- I mean, that's the thing. Um, again, many of you listening who've been in cycling teams were just shrugging your shoulders about seeing nakedness. But it's it's a strange thing if you haven't uh, been in a cycling team or and been in hotels. With oh, so it's a, I thought it was just a Rob thing. I no, no. I see it was a cycling well, I thing. Think, I think Rob's particularly good at being naked. I think <laughs> he's very he's, – he's, 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 he's got a particularly relaxed open attitude and there's and when you see him naked there's a real confidence there there's a glow to him you know yeah um there's no there's no he's, he's kind of quite like i'm um, not criticizing it i'm listening no, no, i'm not no. criticizing at all but it but was i wish i was i wish i was that confident no no it, it's very i think it's just years and years of sharing um rooms small yeah, yeah s- small rooms with, with with your colleagues and and ultimately nakedness comes kind of handy well should we do the rest that. of this podcast naked it feels could, the i mean right you, thing to you, do. i mean the thing is i haven't sent you a photo of now i could be naked now and you don't know uh, oh, I know. That's the mystery of the pod. <laughs> I, I think I'd be able to tell by your voice. I think if yeah. you were naked, your your voice would be a little lower, a yeah. little freer, and there'd, there'd be. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say there'd be an echo in the room, but I can realise as I've said that, that's the wrong thing to say. Yeah, I, I, I do know what I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me questions. Don't let me. Don't let me like disrupt you. Sorry. No, all I was thinking about is Halesy uh, start naked but uh, but anyway what, what a lovely man um so uh, yeah sorry um we might have to i'm trying to think of a, of a suitable segue now i tell you what i tell you what um how many cyclists fun- have you seen naked matt oh i took you've got it you've got to include it i hope that this people aren't being turned off by this because it's, it's a thing about cycling i mean think about the roubaix showers think about getting ch- um a lot of communal showers at bike races. So I would say upwards of 500. Wow. Have you, did you do, have you ridden Roubaix? No, I haven't. Uh, I was haven't it something you wanted to do in your career? Um, looking back, it would have been lovely to have done. Like I didn't, I didn't ride the tour. There's lots of races I never rode. My career was a very, very brief one. Although I've been in the, in the industry and, and riding bikes for years. My, my tenure at the top level and racing at the top level um, was quite a short one. So I didn't have a lot of time. Um, so I, I don't regret it, but I, I would have liked to have ridden it. Um, mm. cause I, I do, I do. I mean, it, I just love it. It's, it's just a fantastic race, but I have ridden pretty much all of the sex, the sectors, um, um, with GCN, um, over, over the last couple, well, when I was with GCN, me and Lloyd, you rode it and it's nuts. Um, but nothing like the speed those guys ride, but just riding those cobbles, um, gives you an appreciation. Have you ridden the pave? I've ridden one sector. One, that's it's, all I've done. I, I rode one sector because, as I say, the day we were supposed to do it, we had all this stuff planned in. Yeah, but as I knocked Halesy off his bike and almost <laughs> did his, um, did his um, what's it called, his uh, collarbone in at that moment, it was like, right, we'll just ride to the one that's closest and do that. And then we went home. Oh, well. oh, I can hear a funny, a strange sound in the background. Um, really, really sorry about this, mate. Sorry about this, buddy. Random question alert. Oh. It is time for a random question. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I've moved house, but Sigma kindly have also t- taken, have uh, uh, got it delivered. It's the big, pretty circa nineteen eighty two Russian computer, supercomputer that I keep in the lounge it's now. Got valves. He's got, it's got valves. It's wow. got, it's got 
really big dials that you have to wipe off with a with a cloth so you can see the readings and an enormous red light and a big printer. Oh, I've just torn off. Steve Wright's got one of those, mate. Steve Wright's got one of those in the bowels of Wogan House. Yeah, absolutely keeps it down there. He has a team of 19 people that have to look after it daily. Are they all so in lab coats with clipboards? Yeah, it's basically that's where the factoids come from. Flipping out. Well, I, I I get one person to come around every month, just one one dude with <laughs> a clipboard. I've, I've got as many as Steve. Um, but anyway, this is the question. Never seen it before in my life. Um, it is here is the random question generated question. So, um, would you rather OJ have the ability to fly very slowly, or be the fastest runner in the world? Fly very slowly. I'd like to, like a like a blimp, like a blimp. I'd like to imagine uh, like a steampunk future. I would just be up in the air. Yeah. Very slowly traversing the earth, I would maybe try and build some sort of bar onto me so people could sit upon my back and have a gin and tonic. So you could, blimey, you could make it into a whole experience. So you, mm. Quite, I mean, and there was almost, well, there was a, a, an imperceptible hesitation, but you were straight in with the answer. Was no, you were straight in. You knew the answer straight away. You didn't even pause for thought, did you? It was, mm. a, but. I guess that there is a human fascination with the ability to fly, but what I like about your answer is the democratic nature of your answer because you immediately wanted to share it with other people, and that's yeah. lovely. Running fast is, I mean, it'd be great, obviously, to run fast would be great, but what can you do with that, really? You can win a 100-metre race, you can maybe do some shoplifting and get away with a TV, but there's not that many great things you can carry running at that sort of speed. But I just think flying really slowly, and also you could mock other animals while you're in the air. Imagine geese going past you, just flying really slowly, just get in their way, really hold yeah. them up. And you could do like impressions of their honking as well, couldn't you? Yeah. What sort of speed are we talking by really slow? Um, I mean, I'm going to have to guess it because the random question generated didn't actually put it on, but I'd imagine slowly, uh, I would imagine under 15 knots airspeed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what 15 knots of airspeed? Is that the same speed know. as a blimp? I don't know, but I reckon I reckon most blimps would go between ten and twenty-five knots. Falling <laughs> <laughs> back on that latent blimp knowledge you've always <laughs> wanted to use. I know. I know what. Do you know what? It's really nice. I've got it out in the open, dusted it off, and used it for once. So I'm just going to put it back in my little blimp. Um, the Hindenburg Parallax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just choked uh, on, on my own my own spittle. There, that was a bit strange, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, OJ. Um, Talk to me about what it's like working at Radio 2. Because it's, I, I, I mean, what do you describe yourself as? Actually, let me just read it. Uh, this is your Insta profile. The most famous man in the UK between the hours of 0000 and 0300 on BBC Radio 2. And I have heard you numerous times. Um, and it sounds like you're having a whale of a time. But what, what's it like doing that slot? And then also working, um, a, a, it's a pretty iconic role as well. When you think about some of the DJs that have done that in the past, and the people that you've deputised for, I mean, it's flipping cool, mate. Yeah, it is. It, it is a great <laughs> radio station. So when I sort of on and off done a bit of cover at Radio 2 for years, and, um, uh, you know, I, the, a job had never come up. I'd always wanted one. It had never come up. And I was actually offered an esports job in LA, and I was going to okay. take it. And just as that happened, typically as these things happen, Radio 2 said, are you interested in doing Midnight Till 3? It's like, a, you know, five shows a week and the rest of it. I was like, you know, I've waited for this for so long. Yeah. And it is the pinnacle of radio broadcasting in this country. I mean, by size, I mean, if you want to do different types of show, obviously there's different radio stations. But working at Radio 2 is the pinnacle of radio. And even though I do a show which you would say is maybe in the loft of Radio 2, you know, in some yeah. ways we're up above the rest of them, you know, with the with the loft hatch down, running around naked, no one knows what we're really doing. <laughs> it, is a one, it is a wonderful place to broadcast. And we don't just broadcast to people in the UK. 
which really is public service broadcasting because if you work nights, you tend to be a truck, you tend to be isolated. So it is a yeah. voice in the night. I really do feel that what we do is um, is talking to people who maybe are alone, especially through lockdown and the rest of it. And yeah. I don't read them out on air, but we get lots and lots of lovely messages from people saying, you know, you make the night shift go quicker and I don't know what I've done without you, which is brilliant. I tend not to read it on air because no one needs to believe their own hype. But we, we get a lot of people listening around the world. So if anyone's an expat, who listens in Australia or America or Canada or across Asia, they tend to listen to me and I tend to be their breakfast show or their drive time show and the rest of it, yeah. which is bad sometimes because being on between midnight and three, I can be a little close to the knuckle. Obviously, always yeah. a family show, but I I played a song once, which was Little Louis and French Kiss. Do you remember Little Louis French Kiss? Yes, I do, yeah. Which has got that very erotic moment in the middle of it. And we got the most amazing photo which came in from two parents laughing their heads off with their kids in the back and they were in Tasmania and obviously they were dropping the kids off at school and the kids were like what is this he's playing what is this so so yeah it's great I mean don't get me wrong the whole midnight till three most famous man in the UK someone's gonna have to prove me wrong there it is a difficult show to do I've got two young kids I never do the the, the school run I am turning tiredness into an art form it's it's a it's a it really you know I am tired all the time all the all the time because it, it's but. because you, you're such, I mean, um, you're such an up kind of guy. You've clearly got a lot of energy, but um, the fact you've got a family, you do a lot of other things as well. That some some that I didn't know, some that I obviously do know. But how do you manage to cope then? Because give us a typical day. So I'd imagine you have to be in the office or in the studio an hour before, maybe an yeah. hour and a half before, something I, like that. Yeah, I used to go in two hours before. So I used to go in yeah. at 10. But during lockdown, because we, Radio 2, still broadcast from the studios, we all had to be in with none of us broadcast from home, uh, bar Ken. Um, because, I don't know, whatever reason was, we were told to be in the studio. Uh, they sure. wanted me to be in less. So I go in at right. 11. I'm on air yeah. between midnight and 3. I don't live far from our studios up here in Manchester. So I tend to cycle in most nights. Brilliant. Uh, so I can literally jump on my bike, blast home, and I can be, if I've judged my caffeine intake right, I can be asleep by half three. Wow, um, that's pretty good. Well, yeah, but it's if I've judged my caffeine right. Sometimes <laughs> if I'm tired and I've judged it wrong, my, my producer is waking me up in a long song around about 2.40 in the morning, kicking me awake. And if I've judged it really wrong, I'm still awake at five o'clock. Um, so yeah, then I get in bed, normally I have to move one of the kids out of our bed or sleep in the spare room. Uh, and then I am up somewhere between half nine on a bad day or earlier, if I've got to do something else. And on a very rare good day, it's sort of beyond half 10, 11 o'clock. I struggle to stay in bed. I'm not the best at staying in bed because I always feel, ah, I could get out and do something. And realistically, I should stay in bed and get more sleep. Yes. So to your, your surviving. I mean, uh, let's make the assumption you get to sleep at half past three on only five, five hours or five yeah. and a bit hours, if that, every day, yeah. which is uh, which isn't much, is it? No, I mean, I'll try sometimes. Like if I'm putting the kids to bed, I'll t- I tend to just fall asleep. Sometimes on the floor next to their beds, <laughs> <laughs> just wake up really confused. Um, so I do, I do probably get a couple of bits and bobs of extra sleep, but it's you sort of get into it. It's you know, once you start having not enough sleep, you're just. It's one of those things, isn't it? You just got to go on with it. I don't, um, so, how do you cope with the weekends then? Do you oh, awful? So like my wife will go work? to me. She'll yeah, go to me. Oh, why don't you go to bed early? I'm like, what's early? She went, why don't you go to bed like at nine or ten? I was like, because that's literally like if I go to bed at nine p.m., that's six and a half hours before I would normally go to bed. I tell you what, you normally you normally go to bed at ten. Why don't you go to bed at half three in the afternoon? See if you can get to sleep. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so what, so what do you do over the week? You just keep the same Drink. thing. Just <laughs> <laughs> Heavily. Oh, Not myself mate. out there. Wake up at one o'clock in the morning, really confused and really, really cotton mouthy. It's a strange, strange. I mean, when I was in the cops, we did nights for, well, I had to do nights for quite a few years, actually, before I. I Were you permanites, though? Um, we did. So I did probably, I think it was four years of nights, maybe five, actually. Um, and, but we did, did the shift pattern change, but we would do. It's a five or six week shift pattern, and we would end up during that period do seven straight nights to get the block out of the way because they did a lot of research. Because when you're in the cops, yeah, certain jobs you have to do nights, um, but to try and get the balance right, they did a load of tests. Apparently, a lot of research, and the best way to do it was to get a big block out of the way. Um, so there was like five weeks in between each um, That's quite each good. particular period. So you, after a couple of days, you, you you got back into your rhythm. But during that period of nights, I I, I couldn't train properly. I, um, I, my skin was always really bad. I was tetchy. It just isn't, it just wasn't. What are you saying about me, Matt? What are you saying about me? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I just, that perpetual state of waking, the waking state of feeling like a jet lag. Yeah. Of not feeling comfortable in your own skin. I mean, I I admire people who can work permanent lights and and nights and some people actually, um, well, you must be one of them. You you clearly exist and and you seem fine. Uh, (laughs) I I think sometimes I'm very good at putting a brave face on it. So many years at drama school, Matt, I didn't go to drama school, but um, I don't know. It's, like well, I did a film recently for the BBC about people who work nights and the majority of people who work nights get into it. They get into a rhythm of it. I don't think anyone truly loves nights. There tends to be a re yeah. like, I, I think there's always a reason why you work nights. It's either your job exists at night or yeah. you will get paid more for working nights. And, I, yes. you know, and if you work in a job where you get a night payment, you then quite quickly come to rely on wanting that money. Plus yeah. you do get rid of a lot of hassle. There's no, you never really get stuck in traffic jams. There's no rush hour, you know, yeah. life is a lot easier working at night because most of the country's asleep. Yeah. I, I, there was one thing that I did. Apart from cab yeah. burglars, if you're in the police, yes, they're not asleep. No, they're, 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 ne- they're never asleep, those folks, unfortunately. But I remember the, the only joy I used to get out of nights is um, seeing dawn break from a, mm. from, a, from a squad car parked up somewhere waiting for a job to come in. Um, and then watching all the bunny rabbits leaping, uh, jumping around in meadows with all the, the mist. And then driving back to my house or riding my bike back to my house just as other people were leaving the front door. And, le- and I, I was getting into bed as they were going to work. I used to kind of look quite like that. As bizarre as it was, that was my kind of two fingers at the wall. Look at me. Uh, just as you're going to work, I'm going to bed. Well, that was quite bizarre. But that mm. was my – so I did mm. like it strangely. Yeah. But my diet was – all the diet was awful. Oh, the, like – like I, I have to really, I have to really be on top of it. Like I, I struggle to lose weight. Like I'm over a hundred kilos and it's, you know, all the training I did this year, the 6,000 kilometers I rode plus all the different things I did with Zwift. And I, the only thing that really started to budge weight was by stopping eating at like eight or nine in the evening and then trying to go through my entire show. So like my producer can eat whatever he wants. It's the worst thing. So he always turns up like a school tuck shop and he's got biscuits and he's got cakes and he's got five pastel donatas and he just eats. And I sort of stand there or sit there just drooling slightly. Yeah. Like, like just like Pavlov's dog every time he picks something up. Yeah, so it yeah, is. and it and it and it is. You know, they've do, they've done research. Something came out recently, which was saying the perfect time to get to bed is ten o'clock, and it's right. all about routine and going to bed at the same time. And and it's hard. Like in winter, sometimes yeah. it's just perma dark. Like you don't see daybreak. Although in summer, it it feels like you're going on holiday. You know, when you get an early flight on holiday, 
Yes. When you come out of work at 3 a.m. and you walk off and you are seeing the, seeing the lights start to come up, you're like, wow, this is a good time of year. Yeah, it, 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 there's something nice about seeing the daybreak. I don't see it very often at the moment, but um, back in the day, I used to quite like it, but I'm not really a morning person now. But uh, anyway, um, moving on from um, nights to, to Leicester. Um, do you know what? It's time for the Leicester quiz. Whoa. Yo, yo. What's up? You all ready? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Ta, 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 turn off your phone. That's right. Da, 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 get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time. What time? Ta, 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 time for the Leicester quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've known that jingle. That that's, is amazing. That's diamond. That, oh. is, that is a radio feature right there. That I mean, flipping it. No, I mean, Niall is... Um, yeah, he's an. I wouldn't say he's an unsung hero because I do give him. Um, yeah, I always mention him on the on the show because he's the backbone of the show. But comes up with the most amazing jingle. So well done, Niall. Mm. I didn't expect. There's a slightly different um, angle to that one. They're they're kind of quite uh, robotic. The previous ones with like a like a harsh techno backbeat, but that had a bit of almost like melody to it, didn't it? Yeah, it was a vibe, man. It felt like the avalanches. It was yeah, it definitely yeah um, yeah. They were they were an Aussie band, weren't they, from the mid noughties They were. They had another album out not too long ago. Uh, I say not too long ago, like four or five years. I mean, in our world now, it is that's not too long ago, is it? And both of them no. are great. And they really, I think, they changed the way sampling worked in the modern world because they just took so much, and it was such a tour de force. If you haven't listened to Since I Left You, I think was the name of the first album. Re-listen, still stands up right now, even though it's twenty odd years old. Top radio tip, and I wouldn't expect anything less actually from uh, one of the foremost DJs of his generation. Right, um, it's the Leicester quiz, OJ. Please do not stress too much. I will not be doing your kneecaps because <laughs> it's multiple choice. Okay, so I'm not oh, going to put you Thanks. on the spot too much. Okay, so you do have a choice. I have four questions, and then um, because I felt a bit fruity, there's a there's a fifth question. I've called it rather than question five. I've called it the bonus question. We'll have that at the end of the quiz. Are any of um, them about the Leicester Velodrome? No, sadly oh. not. Did you race there? Um, no, I didn't. Um, but I used to read of it in Cycling Weekly back in the 1980s. Um, it's torn down a few years ago, wasn't it? I think I've, I've no idea. I haven't been that way. Years ago. It, it was Walford Road, and I remember as kids, we'd go over there for whatever reason. We'd go on school trips. I used to do a bit of running around the track that was next to it, mm. and we'd go on it. And having, I think, the first time you see a banked velodrome track, and I, I think it was a, it was a concrete one, wasn't it? It was. We'd be like, "Wow, look at this!" And you'd run up and down it and slide down it and stuff like that. And I never, ever, ever saw anyone ride a bike around it, even though I know it was raced by people over the years. Actually, I, do you know what? I can't remember if it was a wooden track that was outdoors or a concrete track i can't remember it was cut well if it was wooden then the wood had gone because that i only ever remember it as being concrete it, i mean i've never seen it only seen it in, in images um but uh, but they go no lest it was uh these have the national championships there um, did they yeah they did yeah uh, back in the 80s yeah see this is it this is this is my how did i wish i'd had a family member that was into cycling or there was a way of me getting into cycling at a young age. Because I had parents who just weren't sporty. And they, you know, right. they supported what I wanted to do. And it was either swimming or I played roller hockey for a while and the rest of it. I was a very good joiner of clubs. But, you know, no one in my family was into cycling. And I sort of wish I'd, I'd learned about it at a younger age. I do. It, yeah, I, I, my, it was my, my... My mom wasn't really into it, but again, supported my dad. Because my dad was... Like a multi-sports type of person, uh, football, rugby, boxing, everything, uh, but primarily a cyclist. And so it's, it's all, not all I knew because they're into other things like music and stuff, but it was always around me. Even when I wasn't into it, I, I grew up knowing 
I had quite a deep understanding without really knowing that I did, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, strange, but uh, but there we go. So question number one um, is this. BBC Radio Leicester was Britain's first local radio station, but what year, OJ, did it launch? Okay. Mm. Was it A, 1966, B, 1967, C, 1968, or D, 1969? Now, I did my work experience at Radio Leicester in its old building. The first radio package I ever made was on three-quarter inch tape. I literally recorded it and had to use a china pencil and a razor blade to edit the thing together. Brilliant. It was was about the calling market, and my nan listened to it and was very proud. The calling market, as in the market, like, apples and pears? Yeah, basically. Four for a quid, four for a quid. It was was one of the few remaining calling markets. Um, What year would it have launched? I think 66 is too early. I think 69 is too late. I'm going to go for 68. Oh, it was 1967. Oh, one I didn't mention. Your thinking was was good. It was just, you narrowed it down. I did, I did like the way, I, I really like um, hearing people's rationale when they're, they're getting to grips with questions. And that was a lovely, it's lovely to see unfold or hear unfold, actually. Mm. I didn't see it, I heard it. Um, okay, question number two. Here we go. The body of Richard III, the last English king to die in battle, was exhumed, as many people know, from Greyfriars Car Park in Leicester in 2012, to global astonishment. But my question to you, OJ, is how much is it per hour now to park in Greyfriars? (laughs) Okay. Is Is it A, 75p, B, a pound, B, £1.50, or D, Two pounds. Right. So, if 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 you like hearing somebody go through some logic, okay. That 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 car park is very central to Leicester. If you're coming from the south of the city where I grew up, and you're heading towards Leicester, that is the car park you would head for. It's very near. I can't remember the name of the road, the medieval road. Um, and Leicester has a very pro cycling mayor, or at least it did last time I checked. Ooh, Therefore, okay. I'm thinking that he would pitch car parking to be high, so people used public transport and use their bikes more so i'm going for the top end d two pounds an hour it's one pound i'm afraid oh Oh. but (laughs) but um for a bonus point and this is interesting what is the maximum stay in the car park oh it's going to be four hours oh no it's town Mm. six hours eight hours it's two hours. Fuck. <laughs> and do you know what? They're going to charge you three pounds for the privilege. So although it's, although it's one pound an hour, if you stay two hours, it's three pounds. So basically, does that work? I think I was correct, <laughs> which basically one hour is a quid. Yeah. Two hours is another two quid making an hour two pounds. So I was right. <laughs> you were kind of right. There's a strange fuzzy logic at play here. Um Took me, it took me an, over an hour to do this Leicester quiz, and we're only halfway through. Um, yes, um, I tried to. I did a really deep dive. I tried to find an actual photograph of the board in the car park um, for, and in the end, Holly found it on, on the council website. Which is, so she was my assistant in finding the details. Okay, so uh, so well, well, you're doing okay. This and again, well, I've got none right. Hang on, how am I doing okay? I've got no, none no, out of two. What I'm, I'm trying to do is, um, I'm your Say this quiz is is a is a bike race. The analogy is a bike race gotcha. on the open road, and and you're quizzing, and you've dropped back to the team car, gotcha. and I'm the DS. 
um, giving you the giving you the wrong and right bits. But I'm leaning through the window. I'm saying, OJ, so you're halfway, mate. Break it down into bite-sized chunks. You're going to be okay. okay. Bash a gel down. Still got three, two more questions and the bonus. Okay. All right? Have a sticky bottle to get back into the uh, group. Have a sticky bottle to get yourself the back of the bunch. Here we Thank go. You. Okay. Question three. The first ever mayor of Leicester was a Norman knight, inaugurated in 1251. But, OJ, what was his name? Was it A, Arthur, son of Roger? B, Roger, son of Peter? C, Charles, son of Arthur? Or D, <laughs> Peter, son of Roger? <laughs> <laughs> so weirdly, weirdly, yes. I feel I have seen this on some school trip to you some- to, to one of the museums, like the Jury Wall or something like that, mm. I feel I've probably seen this. Mm. <sighs> I'm going to go Roger... Was it Roger, son, son of Peter? Was that D? Uh, so D was Peter, son of Roger. Peter, son of Roger. You're going to go for that? Yep. It's correct! Oh, yes, yes, here yeah. we go. God, I don't want to be overcompetitive, but yes, right. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yes, his, his full name, Peter Fitzroger. Uh, and there we go. <laughs> so, P. Fitzroger. Yeah, P. Fitzroger, uh, the first ever mayor of Leicester in 1251. <laughs> what a guy. Did he still have all the chains and stuff? He must have done. Uh, big beard um, and all the chains. Um, right, question four. Leicester became a city again following the um, dissolution of the monasteries in 1919. And the city applied for a coat of arms, which was granted in 1929. Inscribed on the coat of arms is the motto Semper Adem, which translated from the Latin means what? So the logo or the motto Semper Adem on the coat of arms of Leicester, um, which was uh, which was granted in 1929, um, means what? So I'm going to read them out. This is the translation. Okay, does it mean A, always the same? Does it mean B? always learning c always united or d always open now semper fi is the motto of the marines the u.s marines i think okay or maybe the seal team in america so there's definitely semper fi isn't there so yes. always but the problem is though it's definitely always so what would semper F- I, I don't know what my logic here is so adam it's all down to adam so I was thinking United. Adam means United, but I think it might be open. What's the history of Leicester? Leicester was a Roman town. Yep. The Latin would come from it. It was definitely a market town because it was the the, the old Roman road came into it. So I'm going to suggest it was always open. It's not always open. Uh, it's always, always the same. Always the same. Always the same. Yes, which surprised me. Um, but apparently it, it's not... Um, Always the same is more along the lines of it's ever reliable ah. and it's, it's trustworthy. Ah. So that was where always the same came with. So it's uh, not boring or dull. It's more trustworthy uh, and a place you can rely on. Damn. There you go. So basically, with your cycling race analogy, um, I got the third question right, which meant I sort of I smashed out of the front, yeah. tried to drop the bunch, but unfortunately, what I've had a puncture. Um, I think you've had a double puncher, oh, and now you're straight out change. the. You're straight you're bike change. Now you're you you're, you're basically three quarters of the way down the convoy. No, you're just in front of the ambulance. Oh no! Uh, now, but there's a bonus question which could punt you straight back into the middle of the bunch. All right. Okay, so this this is question number five. It's a cheeky bonus question, and it's worth a whopping two and a half points. <laughs> okay. OJ, how many bags of crisps 
do walkers make per day in their two factories in Beaumont Lays? Lees. Okay. Lees, sorry, Beaumont Lees. Is it A, 6 million a day, B, 8 million a day, C, 10 million a day, or, sorry, or, and D, 12 million a day. So is it 6, 8, 10, or 12 million? Bags of crisps a day. Whatever way you slice that, OJ, that's a lot of crisps. That's a lot of crisps. Now, would you it's like some biggest- OJ Walker's crisp-based facts here? Yes, please. Okay, so I was obviously an agency worker for a while in Leicester. I did work at the Walker's Crisp Factory stacking boxes. How many Fantastic. bags of crisps did, you get, did I stack? Did you get, did you get any free ones? Or yeah, you got, I, as I remember, I only worked there for a week. And then as like every other job I had, I tend to quit after about a week. <laughs> uh, no staying power whatsoever. Uh, I can't remember how many crisps went through. But I did once, here's my other job. I was working mm. as a cameraman. And I went and worked on a Walker's Crisp Frito-Lay, which is the, the parent company. Um, it was a conference about the right amount of air to put into a bag of crisps. <laughs> I spent a week Brilliant. filming it, and it was so boring. I kept you could if you watch the footage back, you'd see the camera going towards the ceiling as I fell asleep. Basically, <laughs> and I'd have to down my earpiece. Somebody like OJ, wake up, wake up, wake up, and you'd see me refocus again. It was awful. So, so basically, you went, you filmed a, a conference about how much. Air should go yes. in a bag of crisps. It was the GPS2 oh global air fill strategy. And it was the right amount that make it look like a pillow, but wouldn't give you a false amount of crisps in the bag, was was where they were trying oh, to position it. It was what, a week I mean, of this, mate. That's something to think about, isn't it? Mm. Thanks for sharing that, by the way. No worries. But next time you have a bag of crisps, just know that I was there when they worked out <laughs> the right amount of air to put in it. Um, I'm going to say... <sighs> 12 million is a lot of crisps. That's a lot of crisps. crisps is very, they're very popular. It's a big part mm. of Leicester. Everyone, I think, who, who lives in Leicester has worked for Walker's Crisps at some point mm. or some way. I don't think it's 12 million. I think that's a lot. Yep. I'm going to go 10 million bags of crisps per It's day. correct. Oh, Two and a half points in, in the, the bag. You're He's back in the, in the peloton. <laughs> oh, do you know what? That was well, well done. You, you saved the day. I mean... What's it like to be back in the bunch? It's lovely. I'm riding a few wheels. I've just had an <laughs> argument with a guy who reckons um, I, I I took his spot in the bunch. I've never ridden in a bunch before. So, yeah, it's fine. I'm having a laugh with someone else. Someone said something to me rude in Italian, but I'm just going to ignore him. Hey, just do, do you know what? Just enjoy the rest of the race. I will um, do. And well done. I haven't worked out how many points you've got, but I, th- and I actually have. Two and a half, and then you've got Fitz, Fitz Roger, right? So mm-hmm. three and a half points yes. out of a possible four. Something like that. Yes, well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yes. Great stuff. That was a I enjoyed that Leicester quiz. Yeah. OJ, I'm going to this this intrigued me. Um I remember seeing it on your Instagram uh, a little while ago. Uh, talk to me about Star Wars and in particular the 2011 celebrity mastermind. <laughs> so, I was I'm not so I'm not a celebrity. Let's put it out there right now. I'm not a celebrity, well, but ev- ev- well, maybe sort of, but every now and again someone will drop out or something and they'll call me and go, "Are you available?" and I'll go, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> so available. Why didn't you call me earlier? Um, and somebody had dropped out last minute of doing Celebrity Mastermind. Mm. And they called me and said, uh, what subject do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to do Wayne's World, please. And they said, no, we don't have the questions for that. <laughs> so I said, okay, can I do, uh, what was my second? Uh, my second shout was, can I do Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? They so went, hold no. on, you, d- you were just thinking of these off the top of your head. You, yeah. didn't, you hadn't studied, thought, what do I know a little bit about? No. Is that right? Well, yeah, okay. I sort of did. It was uh, Wayne's World is the film I've seen most of my life. I could still quote most of it's it. Great I haven't movie, seen it, it for a few years. Yeah. And I said, well, what have you got? And they said, well, we've got questions on Star Wars. And I was like, yeah, I like Star Wars. I don't, do I love Star Wars? 
I don't think I love Star Wars. Or at least I didn't after I spent a month heavily researching it. I got really, really deep. I've still got somewhere. I've still got all the research I did. You did a lot of notes and stuff. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I rewatched every film. I went through everything I could find. I got really deep, deep, both on the production side. I learned the name of the guns in it. I knew what Luke Skywalker's name was. Do you know what his name was before he became Luke Skywalker, what the production name was? Uh, uh, something Star Killer, exactly that Luke Star Killer, yeah, Luke Star Killer, yeah, yeah, and like much, I worked yeah. out the number of the cell he was in, and and all those things that related oh, right. back to to um to Lucas. And anyway, I had before the recording been on a stag do, and I'd ended up with two costumes. I'd ended up with a Han Solo costume and uh, a Princess Leia costume. And knowing that I was doing Star Wars, I thought for the lols, I'll take it with me, <laughs> thinking I'd wear the Han Solo one because I had to drop them off afterwards. And um, I got there. And being me and being far too much and being a bit of a show off at times, I was like, ha, 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 shall I get dressed as Princess Leia? And I, my bluff got called by the producers. They're like, yeah, go on then. So literally I sat down, had some coral lipstick on, and I put it on. And um, it was only when I was sat in the chair realizing that I, I was wearing a skirt and they have a very low camera and I couldn't work out totally how to not do a basic instinct at that moment that oh, I thought crumbs, maybe yeah. I've made a terrible, terrible, terrible mistake. Oh my god! So yeah, but it was. So, you know, I did it, and I didn't come last. You were third, in fact. Weren't you? But how many people did it? Four. Four. Yeah, I was third out of four, but I didn't come last. I was on with um, Jay Rayner. Yep. I was on with Simon Calder, the travel reporter. Who we all sat in the bar. It was me, Jay Rayner, Simon Calder, and Anthony Costa from Blue. And the three of us, apart from Simon Calder, um, sat and had a drink of wine beforehand while he was in the in his in his changing room with his family doing flashcards on his subject, like really going for it. <laughs> Proper warm up. And I did after I think as I remember after the first bit where you do your specialist subject, I did all right. Okay, there was a couple I could have got right, but I think I was second overall after the first bit. Then it came to do the actual general knowledge bit, and I sat down. And the lights are on you, you're in the chair, there's an audience, you know, you're being faced down, you know it's being recorded. And I got, I think, the first four questions right. And I was like, right. OJ, you are wow. nailing this. You know, yeah. people, you, you know, people may have thought you were a fool sat there in a Princess Leia costume. It was just, by the way, it was the white dress, not the gold bikini. Yeah. Um, that had been <laughs> a step too far. Um, yeah. And, I, and, you know, you're doing really well. You've got to win this. Imagine people's, you know, surprise when someone who they think is a fool actually wins this and you nail all the, uh, the, the questions right. The problem was, during that moment of self-congratulation, self-congratulation, saying well done to myself, okay, <laughs> Yeah. Self-congratulation, there you go. I had missed the next question and I fell apart and didn't get another one right. Hence, I came third. Oh, blimey. Who, who was doing the questions? Was it? The it proper- was John, what's his face? Yeah, the, the old newsreader. <laughs> John, John, what's his face? The Humphreys. old newsreader. Humphreys. Humphreys, there you go. John Humphreys. He's, like, he's such a, what, what a kindly man he appears um, to he's, be. He's kindly... He- but you don't really mm. talk to him because they record like 5,000 episodes a day. So he, he, sits up, he says something, he says, hello, how are you? And the rest of it, and he gets on with it. It's all, he's all business, all business. Yeah, all business. Oh, it just, just seems like he's got a, a kindly voice. But mm. uh, but no, I mean, because I, I I just like Mastermind. Um, I wouldn't say I watch it all the time, but I really do like it. And the celebrity, I always get fascinated by the, the really tangential subject matter that some people go for. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, it's, it's tricky. What would you do as your specialist subject? Oh, that's a really good, a really good question. Um, because I, I know I know a reasonable amount of stuff. But can't nothing, choose, you can't choose cycling. Nothing, you can't choose anything no. cycling related. What would you go for? I think I would. I think it would be. Mm, God, 
I was going to say Star Wars, but I think it would be. I'd have to. I'd have to do a bit more studying, but I think it would be something to do with art now because I'm really into mm. like Andy Warhol and, and you'd look and clever as well. Stuff I think like if you, that. If you choose stuff, I think you, I think you end up. If you choose a really good subject, I think you look pretty good. Hey, here's a good thing to know. Do you know where <laughs> do where the idea came from for Mastermind? No, I don't. It came from one of the producers had been in the Second World War. It was based on the Gestapo and how they they um, interrogated people. So sat right. in a chair on your own with a light in your face. It was based on that. The producer who came up with the idea originally based it on Jeez. that. Bloody hell, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? Mm. Blimey, because I mean, it is a it's a a well known interrogation technique. Generally, isn't it? Is mm. the is the chair the loneliness, and then you can't see. Generally speaking, with the spotlight in your face, you can't see who's answer, asking the questions either. No, so you, you it, get it's terrifying. quite disorientated. Yeah, absolutely um, terrifying. Because it's easy sat at home with your Pringles and a and a mug <laughs> of tea and a, some you know um, and, a, and a glass of wine to say oh, and the easy. internet. Yeah, and and the internet <laughs> at, at your fingertips as well. Um, I was looking at your uh, Twitter the other day, and I, and I did lol. Um, it's quite a recent one um, because. On, on this show, uh, on this podcast, not really a show, it's a podcast because you hear it, um, um, we quite often, although we haven't really done it successfully recently, is think of new features. Um, we used to do Guess That Snack. We now do the quiz. And we're always looking at new features. And I do, and clearly in your show, you've got a three-hour show to do. You're playing music and stuff like that. But I would imagine coming up with new features is, is quite fun. And the, the latest one that you thought of on, that you put on Twitter is called Bardcore. <laughs> Gently reading out the lyrics to heavy metal songs over the wafting sound of a lute. Well, I love the idea of that. <laughs> well, do you know, the good thing about Radio 2 and the good thing about the show I do is I pretty much can do, within reason, I can do anything. They sort of trust me to come up with ideas. And I, I, what I think what's quite fun to do with radio is to almost go through the production of a new feature on air. So you sort of yeah. almost talk it through, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do whatever. And I, I was literally far too caffeinated last night. I couldn't get to sleep. My two-year-old had woken up, so I was having a bad night's sleep anyway. And I had re- I replied to somebody on, um, on Instagram as I was fanning around on my phone. Uh, and, I'd, and I'd accidentally written bardcore instead of hardcore in, right. in response to something. I thought, oh, that's a great idea. I'm having that. But I just think it'd be wonderful. So if you got the, the lyrics to Slayer and then read it really gently over the sound of a lute and call it bardcore. I think, I don't know, it might work, it might not work. And I I will attempt it at some point over the next couple of weeks, I feel. Yeah, I mean, um, could you, I, I do like, I, I actually, before we came on and as a, one of my little warm-up techniques, I was doing the lyrics. I was a big Iron Maiden fan back in the early 1980s. And I, I know the lyrics are quite a lot of Iron Maiden songs. Well, so I, I, I was... Um, I did some Iron Maiden lyrics, but I didn't have a lute handy, so I imagined the lute in my mind, and I was speaking the lyrics like a a poet from the 1500s. Well, hey, I, hey, it, well let's do this. I tell you what, if you know, have you got the the Maiden lyrics to hand? Um, I can fire them up. I'm have sure. I'm sure, a, I'm sure Niall got, can find a lute sound. So maybe you got a lute sound. Hold on. Um, I'm just going to fire up the Trooper. Yes, uh, that's a good the, shout. A, the Trooper Iron Maiden. So I will introduce you. The lute will start. And then I would like you to gently waft those Iron Maiden Trooper lyrics over the top of this loop. Okay. Are you ready? So, do, you, do you want to count me in? I'm not too... Okay, let's just do it. Okay. Now on the Matt Stevens Unplugged podcast, episode number 59, it is time for Bardcore. You take my life, but I'll take yours too. You fire your musket, but I'll run you through. <laughs> So when you're waiting for 
the next attack. You better stand. There is no turning back. <laughs> I'll start to sing now. <laughs> no, that's the problem. When you read lyrics, you start singing it, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's got mileage. Do you think? I really, really do. Well, we road yeah. tested it there. When it appears on Radio 2, you can you can basically sue me because it appeared on your <laughs> podcast first. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, you've... Um, in terms of this podcast, what do you think? What would you like? Actually, um, what would you like to hear? What do you like about pods? Because I'd, I'd listen to quite a few pods, all different sorts, a lot of cycling ones, because that really helps with my commentary and stuff. Um, there's an, a lot of art ones and increasingly some cryptocurrency ones Ooh, as well. Yeah. So, um, so what? But what do you like about a pod? And what feature do you think that we should consider dropping in potentially to Matt Stevens Unplugged, subject to um, Niall approving it and giving it a rubber stamp? Hang on a second here. So you want me to come up with a feature? Yeah, I do. Idea. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, so, no pressure. <laughs> so what I love about I, I like I like podcast which is where i learn something but i learn it in a fun way because i hate learning stuff okay yeah so i need to be taught stuff by osmosis it's right. like basically this this is why i think you're such a great commentator because you have all the knowledge and you know a race inside out and you can deliver me all the facts but facts and figures are boring but what yep. i need is someone to say something that's funny and something that's warm and something that's that, that makes me still feel attached to the commentary and that's what you're so great at and i think that's what makes a great podcast right. so the feature i think you should do is uh, is oh come on oj come on Come Sorry, on, I, I put you on the spot here, mate. I do apologize. No, I'm, tr I'm trying to think of an idea <laughs> that I've had. I'm basically trying to raid my own archive of ideas to come up with one. Uh, hmm. Damn it, OJ. I feel like I've let you down. Matt Stevens disappoints you, where you say something that's really disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm writing that down. Um <laughs> Okay, but we, I mean, we'll try that. We, we might try a, 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 try it in the beta first um, and road test it. Um, but but uh, yeah, Matt Stevens disappoints you. I wonder what what I could do. Maybe because I did my super reviews back in lockdown. Super reviews, that's very good. I like. Yeah, that. but maybe do a disappointing super review and slightly yeah. undercook it um, or something like that. I, I don't know. That's um, but then with th thanks for you. I mean, I think it's, we, we can we can work on that. We can work. On that. That, that's for sure. <laughs> do you know um, what? The, the worst thing is though, we're going to end this podcast, and I'm going to think of an idea. I'm going to think of are. an idea. But we're in touch with each other. Just send me the, mm -hmm. any ideas, yeah. and then I'll credit you if we do use it. It's a new a new feature yeah. as uh, as given to us by OJ. Yeah, and then I'll sue um, you back. Yeah, and then we can see you can sort of reverse <laughs> the sewage, as it were. That word sewage reverse sewage. Um, I think. Oh, this has gone off again in the corner. Oh, we've got we another one to wrap the show up. Random question alert. Random question alert. It is time for That's the a last one. Question. Well, let me just just walk off to the corner of the room, and I'm just coming back. Oh, set myself down. Here we go. Right. Um, right. Okay. It's kind of a desert island disc question, but not. Mm. Um, what three things, OJ, would you need on a desert island? Just three things. Okay, so I'd need uh, an internet connection, okay, a turbo trainer, <laughs> and a fan. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's very, very on and brand. A Swift, <laughs> and a Swift account. Uh, what three things would I like? I would. Do you want me to? Do you, do you want one of them to be a book? If we're really going to go down the desert island discs route, 
Yeah, yeah. I would like a copy of Bill Bryson's "The Short History of Everything." Now we've got uh, that somewhere in the house. Yeah, yeah but I've not read it. It's 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 it, Bill Bryson for me is like a great writer. He's like he's like your your commentary. He's someone who teaches you stuff via osmosis because he's such That's an entertaining really nice. writer. Uh, writer, such an entertaining writer that you learn all these facts. And I read that book every couple of years or so, and I read it all and I think, wow, it's about the start of the universe and how things happen and calderas and all this sort of stuff all the way through, you know, who in, who discovered plutonium and, and stuff like that. And I think I'm going to remember this and I forget it by the end of the book every time. <laughs> so if I was on a desert island with loads of time on my hands, I could learn that book. It'd also be my prison book as well if I ever go down right. and take that book. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty dark. <laughs> uh, fair enough. So desert island or prison. Yeah. Um, um, I would like a fully stocked beach bar. These are my desert island. So if I'm going to be there, I might as well have a lovely time. Uh, and I'd also like a wormhole so I could just nip back home for the weekends. That is, that's three, well, three very, very broad things. Um, but I, I love the, the, the inventiveness of the wormhole. I mean, we'll have to see if Niall, I mean, Niall, can you give us a, a, a buzzer for negative and a ding if we can, if we can allow that in? Oh, it's not allowed. It's been overruled by the producer of the wormhole. Uh, right. <laughs> okay. Um, before we wrap things up, OJ, it's been a right <laughs> laugh, to be honest with you. I've really, really enjoyed it. We have touched on cycling because hmm. this is a, a cycling podcast, but quite often it's just tenuous because the, the, the wonderful thing that I like about this pod that we started because of lockdown, actually, and our inability to make get out and make stuff is the fact that generally everybody that I have on the show I've, I've met through cycling but also cycling is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But it's also not everything. I think the reason we enjoy cycling is because it contrasts everything else we do. It fits in beautifully. It's not the be-all and end-all. And that's not to undermine it at all. It's just mm-hmm. I do love it when I have guests on and we talk about other stuff that that really fills our life out, you know. And um, and we, we've touched on it a few times, but um, touched on cycling just a little bit in this pod. But I've really enjoyed our Really tangential ramble today, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been like a really nice bike ride. If you imagine it, imagine it. It's like a cafe bike ride, a cafe stop bike ride, where we've chatted. We've not hammered it. We've pootled along. We've chatted about things. You know, I dropped out the bunch once. You asked me a question. I got back in. And you are right. You know, cycling isn't everything, but... I do feel it's a conduit to lots of other things that are good in my life. Like lots of the things that I enjoy doing now, I yeah. do, which aren't necessarily just cycling, but people I know, the stuff I do like this is because of cycling. And I think that's Great what's stuff. wonderful about it. Great stuff. Well, OJ, um, I'd like to think that, I mean, where can people, apart from Radio 2, where can they hit you up on social, mate? Uh, they can tweet me if they want. Uh, do you know what? I've been stuck not close to 20,000 on Twitter for about five years now. It's been really frustrating. Really Ooh, 19.7K. Let's see if we can get you over the line. Yeah, uh, that and Instagram. You can always so OJ Bo- uh, Boj. Right, okay, let's get this out of the way. I have asked you a few times. OJ, is it Borg or Borg? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So my full surname is Borg Danastasi, which my dad yeah. told me. And then I spoke to him again like 10 years later. And he went, oh, no, it's Borg. I was like, why, why are you telling me this now? Why have you told me my name was wrong for so many years? So it's oh, sort of mate. Borg on its own, but Borg, if you use it with Danastasi. But in all honesty, ah. I don't care. Use whatever. Okay, fine. And it's uh, OJ underscore Borg on Instagram is, as well. Yes. So uh, I tried to get course- the guy who was OJ Borg, and he just didn't return my, my messages. 
That's a bit naughty, isn't mm. it? And, uh, and of course, BBC Radio 2. You're on tonight, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I will be on tonight and I'm very tired. So I didn't have a lot of sleep last night. I've done a, I've done a race. I've got to put the kids to bed as well because it's my turn. Yes. And, and people can see on World of Swift, every, it's every two weeks now, isn't it? It every is every two weeks. Yeah. And we've got more challenges coming next year, some exciting challenges. And I want, I want you and I to do a challenge. And yes, I, so I, I. I tell you what I'd love us to do at some what? point somehow mm. is to do the... Um, and I think it'd be a great laugh. I just don't know how we do it. That's all. Uh, would be to do the GB divide, which is basically yeah. Lands End to John O'Groats, but off road. And I think it would be amazing. Flipping heck. I mean, uh, I can, I can, I can hear Niall's brain whirring um, at the thought of, of doing so. I mean, I, I would love to do, I've, I've spoken to a few people about it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I would love to do some sort of challenge, a long distance challenge over several days. Um, GB divide, so, GB so, divide. So why not let's talk um, yeah. and let's see if we can, if we can do something. No promises, but I think we should at very least sow the seed mm. and then cultivate something to see what we come up with. I think it'd be ace. I think it'd be absolutely good. Well, OJ, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always good talking to you, mate. And uh, thank you very much again for joining me on the show. I'm sure people are going to enjoy it. Um, take care uh, and have a great Christmas. Um, and I'll catch up with you very soon, mate. Mate, can't wait. We're not far away. We're just the other sides of the, um, of the. I was going to say the Alps then. That would be the wrong mountain range, not, no, totally. The Pennines. No, just the other the, sides the, of the Pennines the, now. I know. We'll, we'll definitely have to hook up, mate. Meet we'll you in the middle. Care. Indeed. Cheers, Cheers buddy. Well, there you have it. OJ Borg is disappearing into the night to keep truck drivers company well into the small hours. Not all heroes wear capes. Thanks as ever to Perry Apgwyneth for the podcast theme tune and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the pod and why not recommend it to the question writers of Mastermind in case anyone decides to choose Matt Stevens Unplugged as their specialist subject. And finally, a massive thanks again to OJ for joining us on the podcast today. Hope he continues to invent riveting segments for his radio program for us all to enjoy. Bardcore! Cheers all, stay safe, and goodbye.